All right, church, y'all ready for the word? Hey, I want you to know something. I really want you to listen to this. This is the most important message you'll ever hear. And we do a lot of teaching here, but I want you to know today is the most important message that you will ever hear. And, and it's some stuff that I believe if the church really understood this, uh, man, we would be so much more free to be able to do the things that he has called us to do. And this is something that uh, a lot of people struggle with. This is something that a lot of people don't even know about. Um, but you're going to see, I, I fully believe by the end of the service, you'll understand through Scripture, not through me, through Scripture, what exactly the cross did for us. It, it, there's so much more than, than, uh, than what we think. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about um, just how forgiven we are. We're going to be talking about where the enemy wants you to focus your thoughts and where God wants you to focus your thoughts. Uh, what is the truth and what is how Satan has used some Satan can use scripture. Amen. amen. He knows it. Yep. He probably knows it better than we know. it. Come on. Come on. But in saying that he misrepresents what scripture says and he can hold you in a lifetime of bondage, even though you go to church every week. He can hold you in, in bondage even if you go to church twice a year on those two holidays. <laughs> he can hold you in bondage even. He can actually make you run from the church on some of this stuff that I'm going to show you. Uh, but we have victory. And I'm here to remind you this morning as a vessel of the Lord that, uh, that you are blessed more than you think you could ever be. Or that you deserve. When, how do you guys know none of us deserve to be blessed? But that's how much he loves us, that he would do it anyway on our behalf. So let's pray and we'll get right into the word. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is always on time. It's always true. It, it always goes forth with great purpose. There's somebody in this room today, God, it, more than somebody that, that needs to hear what you would have to, for me to say to them this morning. Thank you for changing their minds. Thank you for causing them to repent right where they are to change their mind about who you are. We thank you for loving us this much that we are able to come together and do what we do here this morning. And that is to lift up the name of Jesus. God, above all, I pray that when people leave here, they would have encountered Jesus Christ. And God, you would just fill them with your love. They would experience a great love hug. And the hug of the Holy Spirit this morning. Thank you for speaking through me in Jesus name. Amen. We are forgiven forever. Um, and like I said, in a couple of weeks, we'll talk about is first John one nine written to the believer. Uh, if you guys have been coming here uh, long enough, you know that I don't believe first John one nine is written to the believer. If if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That's what it says. Problem is, has he already forgiven us our sin? Yeah. Yeah. So. And in, in, in 1 John chapter 2, he says, I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven you. So either John is schizophrenic or there's something else there. And I'm going to be able to show that to you through Scripture. Uh, the Lord has gifted me to be able to do that. I don't say that with, like, pride. I say that I'm thankful that the Lord has been able to use me in that way. Yes, thank you. All right. Here, we'll start here, though. Uh, the law is you working. What is grace? 
God working. The law is all about you. You, 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 you. You need to do this. You need to do that. You shall not do that. Right. It's all about you. Well, grace is God saying, hey, I'm going to do it for you. Let me do it for you. A lot of people, a lot of Christians don't understand that God, that we're trying to do something that God wants to do for us. How many of you guys can save yourselves? Nobody could. So what did God do? He sent Jesus. Jesus, listen, grace to me is a person, by the way. It's not just a word you throw out there. It's not some kind of teaching. It's a person. It's Jesus Christ. And he came because we could not. He could. He could. See, I didn't get that growing up. It was all about what I needed to do. And then when I didn't do enough of it, I beat myself up. I didn't feel qualified. I didn't feel like I was worthy to be able to receive anything. I thought the reason God didn't heal my mom, heal my mom, because she passed away of cancer, but she's more alive today than she ever was in her life down here. I didn't realize, I thought that when she died, it was because I failed the Lord and that he was just punishing me, Right? Little things like that, man. The, the enemy gets in your head and tries to make it about you. And that's what the law does. Put yourself under law, you're going to be judged by the law. How many of you guys want to be judged by what you do? Yeah, man. So it just makes sense. That's why it's called the good news. Somebody was judged for you. That's a good place to be. So let's go to Scripture. Psalm 23. Now, we were taught, maybe some of us memorized Psalm 23 before we even knew what it meant. Yeah, we can quote some stuff, but do we really know what it means? I want you to take a look at the shepherd and the sheep here. I want you to see what role they play. Okay, so when you read Psalm 23, you say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. So what is the lamb's part? What is, what is the sheep part in that verse? To not want. The Lord is our shepherd. He provides everything. He is the one that gives us all things. In Christ, we have all things. The Lord is the giver. All we got to do is not lack, not want. That's it. Our part is the rest. Let him go to work. Look, he makes me lie down in green pastures. If you're a sheep, what is green pastures? What is it? Yeah, it's good. It's food. He provides everything you need. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He makes us lie down in his provision. See that? Uh, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. See, we're righteous not based on us, based on him giving it to us. Righteousness is a gift. His name is Jesus. Right? Uh, for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley. See, everything is the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Then we get here, man. We get to verse 4, and it's us. Yea, do I walk through the valley. That means when you choose to mess up, when you choose to mess up, do you lose the shepherd? No. What does he do? He's got a rod not to beat you with, to protect you with, and he's got a shepherd's hook to pull you back. Amen. Now, I was taught, you walk away, God's got a rod. Just think about that statement. If that was true, we're seeing God as someone who punishes us. Question, does God punish you anymore today? Why? He put it on Jesus. So that doesn't make sense. Don't let what you heard growing up 
become the truth in your mind. Because that's not always the case. God is not out to get you anymore. He put that on Jesus. Stop trying to take it away from Jesus. How's that? Stop being prideful. You might not even know you're being prideful. But when you try to take a beating that you don't, that wasn't meant for you, it's given to Jesus. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. He gives it to you freely. Grace. Amen. That's a good thing, man. It's a great between the blood and the free gift of righteousness. There's nothing better than that. Nothing better than that. All right. And by the way, though I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, it's not death itself. It's just a shadow. It's a shadow. Death's defeated. It might look like death, but if you see something that looks like death, it's defeated. Don't submit to it. It's defeated. Someone says, hey, you got six months to live. It's defeated. It's a shadow. It looks like death, but it's not death. Death is done. I'm a Christian. I am a follower of Jesus. And I will have life forevermore here or there. I'm, I'm going to live. I will not die. There's no more death for me. That sting is gone. It's a daggum in sync move right there, boy. You ever thought about if somebody videoed and didn't hear the words I'm up here doing? Don't do it. I'm just saying. Everybody in the back row with their phone up. Yea, though I walk through the valley. I will fear no more for you. Now we're back to him. For you are with me. He'll never leave you, church. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they beat me. Is that what it says? No, but sometimes we read it that way. That rod is for your protection. That staff is to say, hey, remember me. I love you. I love you. Get back. Get back. Get back. Mm. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Listen, your father does that for you. Your father does that for me. Surely. Oh, wait, wait. You're, oh, you anoint my hair with oil and my cup runs over. My cup. Some of you are focusing on the lack. God's saying, hey, you, you shall not lack. Your cup, in fact, will run over. And surely goodness and mercy, surely, sure, that's confidence. Not maybe, not hopefully. He's surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That, that word Lord there, Yeshua, that's Jesus. I will dwell with Jesus forever. That's beautiful, amen? But sometimes in our flesh, we let our flesh get going. And we try to take the place of the Lord. And we like to say, I am the shepherd of my life. I shall not want because I will, will make, I will do all this stuff. It's I, 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 I. You're like, God, let me do it. Let me do it. Let me earn my way. Man, that's our flesh talking. Would you agree? Yeah. So you remember in Exodus right here, the, the people had left, right? The, the Exodus. They, they left Egypt. And they get to this roaring sea. And th three million of them, right? They're looking back. And got, they got a problem chasing them. They got a problem in front of them. And, and the people are crying out. Moses like, what are we going to do? What does God say? And Moses said to the people, because God told them this, do not be afraid. Stand still. 
Stand still, church. That's what he says. Stand still. You got a problem chasing you. You got a problem in front of you. Your only job is to stand still. That's it. Stand still. Rest in your mind. Stand still and see your salvation. Again, Yeshua. See Jesus. See Jesus. That's all we got to do. Whatever problem you're facing, stand still. Because you know what will happen? Your flesh will kick in. Well, what am I going to do? I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. How many of you guys have woken up early in the morning thinking of all the stuff you got to do? And, and you can't shake it. You want to go back to sleep. You can't do it. And sometimes, man, we do it, and our wife wakes us up with all the stuff she's got going on in her mind. We're like, baby, can we talk about this in the morning? Does that happen to anybody else? <laughs> Randy, I'll pray with you afterwards, bro. You're going to need it. Uh, so Moses, he says, stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord, of the Lord, not you. You can't save yourself. The Lord saves you, which he will accomplish for you. He does it for you every time. He's not selective in who he does it for. He's no respecter of persons. He'll do it for you, you. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for you, Bobby. Every single time he does it. But let me tell you something. If you want to try it, he'll let you. He'll say, okay, go ahead. But when you're done, come on back. I'll be here, and we'll do it my way. How many of you guys have tried to do it your way? It works every time, right? <laughs> no. It's horrible. It may feel good because we're trying to do it against our flesh. It's that part of our flesh that wants to be in control, wants to let God know, hey, we can do it. Crazy. So I wrote here, stop trying to save yourself from drowning. You know why? Have you ever seen someone, or even on TV or something, someone drowning? And, 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 you know, it's impossible to save someone who's drowning. It's impossible. I say that because you can't jump in right away. There's a true story about a guy who was with about five of his friends, and they're swimming in the ocean, right? And one of their friends is drowning out there, and there's one friend that's an expert swimmer. So who do all the guys look at? The expert swimmer. They say, hey, man, go get him. He's drowning. Everybody's freaking out. It's chaotic. Chaotic. And he goes, I cannot go right now. And they're like, what are you talking about? He's drowning. Your best friend is dying. He's like, I can't get him right now. I can't. I can't go. And then his other friends are like, what are you doing? Now, we would think, oh, right off the top, man, what kind of friend is that? But he knew what he was doing because he's an expert swimmer. He knows he can't go out there and save someone who's trying to save himself. He still has strength left in him, and he'll pull both of them down. But when he gives up, and the story is, the moment that guy went under, that's when the hero came. That's when the hero went and got him. Because he had no more strength left. Now you think about the Christian life. If you're still trying to save yourself, God will step back for a second. He'll let you try. That's called being under law. That's being under law. But when you stop, when you say, I have nothing left, I can't do it. I'm tired of trying. I'm tired of failing. God says, okay, here's Jesus. The one who will never fail. The only one who can save. Isn't that beautiful? Check this out, Galatians 5.4. Again, this is going to be the most important thing. If you guys can receive this, in fact, just take a second 
bow your heads. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom. Ask him to help you to receive the truth this morning. Just take a second and do that. Galatians 5.4. We got it in the King James Version because your new King James says it's strange, right? But I want you to see it in the original. Christ has become of no effect unto you. No effect. We say, man, what causes Christ to be of no effect to you? We'll say sin, right? Wrong. Sin doesn't cause Christ to be of no effect to you. In fact, sin qualified you for Christ. What causes Christ to be of no effect? It's when you go back to being trying to be justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. When you go back to saying, God, judge me based on what I do. I don't need Jesus right now. You're not saying that, but that's what you're saying. You're saying, judge me by my actions. I'm going to make myself right. I'm, I'm going to save myself. And God's like, man, you have, he's, it, Christ is of no effect to you if that's the attitude you have. Amen. You fall from grace right at that point. People say you fall from grace when you sin. That's a lie. Amen. And don't say Pastor Troy said it. Say the word says it right here. You fall from grace when you try to go back to being justified by the law. The law was never meant to justify you. The law can't justify you. Amen. Only Jesus can do that. And the more you keep trying, God, the law is never even written to us. It's an old covenant. And it took me forever to figure that out. That there's two covenants there. Old Testament, New Testament. The word testament is covenant. Once I saw that, my life changed. And I guarantee there's people that raise your hand if that happened to you. When you saw there were two covenants. Changed your life. Because now you know why Jesus truly came. The old covenant can only, there's death. New covenant is life. The law and Jesus are two different covenants. There you go. All right. uh, Luke 5, Jesus himself, this is what Jesus said. And no one puts new wine, old covenant, or new covenant, into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled. And the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. God hates mixture. He hates when you're still in the old covenant and new covenant. You would too if you were paying off a car that you already paid off. Amen. You, you got a bank loan. You're paying off a car. You pay it off. You go to the bank the next month and you give them a check for the car that you paid off. That's dumb. Right? But that's what we do. That's what we do in religion. We, we're still trying to pay for what has been paid for. Instead of walking in the newness of life. The newness of the spirit. The newness of the spirit of grace. We're still trying to pay for stuff man. We got to stop trying to do what God wants to do for you. In fact what God has done for you. Amen. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are. Tell me church. Now, now, what does not under law mean? How can we jack that up? How, how can we misread that and say we're still judged by the law? Because we do. Now, I'm, I'm being sarcastic, but my whole Christian life, I thought I had to obey the law or I was going to die or I wasn't going to be qualified. Anybody else like me? 
back in the day. But now we know. Now we know we're not under law. Listen, you can go look it up in the Greek, Egypt. You can look it up in, in Spanish. You can look it up however you want to look it up. The word means we're not under law. But what are we under? Grace, unmerited favor, something that is just given to you even though you don't deserve it. The only thing we got to do is receive it. And you know what? Our flesh, our pride, it's almost too good to believe. And that's why it's called the good news. That's why people, when Paul was coming out, they were like, man, that's too good to believe. Paul's like, yeah, it's called, a good, it's called the gospel. It's good news. No, that's too good. You mean Jesus paid for my sin? I'll never forget driving home from a conference I spoke at. The guy that, 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 that was driving me, he, he looked at me. He goes, you mean, you mean to tell me? He grew up a Catholic. You mean to tell me that Jesus forgives you for all your sin? And what about the sin that I commit today? You weren't around when Jesus died, right? And it's something simple like that. He almost got in a wreck. He's like, you, do you remember when you remember when the light bulb came on? I do. I remember exactly where I was. And you're like, it's like everything comes rushing in at one time. That's called freedom. Freed from religion, man. We are under grace. Praise the Lord. Here's Romans 7 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law. All right. What does dead to the law mean? How do we mess that up? If you're dead to something, you're dead. You have become dead to the law by your actions? No. By the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Listen, how do you bear fruit? Well, you got to get out there and start doing stuff. You got to go. You got to go. Listen, it, the, the, the fruit doesn't just appear. They're not a grape all of a sudden. It's attached to a vine. And Jesus said, I am the vine. And so you are the fruit. Listen, the vine produces the fruit. So the more you rest in Jesus, the more stuff you'll be doing. Paul said, I labor more than all these cats yet than I, but the grace of God in me, he knew who was in them. The vine, the living vine that was producing all this fruit. Stop trying to make fruit happen. Let it be a natural flow. Let it be a natural flow. I... (laughs) The Lord used Kelly in this, but she said, Troy, if you're going to take over a church, we ain't having no meetings. We don't need Sunday night church. We don't need to meet five times a week. We don't need this committee, this committee. I said, babe, don't, you don't tell me. I'm the man of this house. <laughs> Stop telling me what I need to do. You ain't in charge, right? So anyway, I got here. We didn't have any meetings because <laughs> I decided that. The whole point is, guys, listen, it, it's not about being busy. If Satan can't make you bad, it'll make you busy, right? It's not about being busy. It's about being, it's about resting. And when you rest, you hear clearly from the Lord. And now we got grace groups going on Sunday night once a month. Who knows what God will do? But I'll tell you this, I'm not going to base it on what somebody tells me or what I tell myself. I'm going to rest in the Lord and he'll make it happen. And my job is just to walk, follow him. Doesn't mean I'm, that we're not going to change anything. We'll do whatever the Lord wants to do. 
Amen. All right. Uh, where are we going next? Oh, Exodus 19.8. How many of you guys know that the people back in the day from Exodus, they actually asked for the law. They wanted the law. Hey, you know, there was a point where they were under grace for three years. When they left, nobody died. Nobody got sick. Everything was provided to them. God was providing everything they needed. They got hungry. God provided. Birds just dropped. Bread just dropped. They got thirsty. A rock started spilling out water. Right? They didn't, have, they didn't need anything. Nobody got sick. The Bible says not one of them was feeble. Weak. Sick. That's what the, the Hebrew word is. Not one of them. Three million cats. Not one of them sick. That's talking about the older guys too. None of them feeble. Right? But they got to a point where God says, hey, I'm going to raise you up on eagle's wings. I have brought you out. God did it. But these guys... They said this. Then all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Listen, in the, sometimes our English doesn't play out what this really means. In the Hebrew, they were saying all that God has said, we are well able to do. In other words, let us prove it to you, God. Let us, let us do the stuff that we need to do. Judge us based on not all the goodness you've been showing us, but now let us prove to you that we can do it. How many of you guys know as soon as, uh, <laughs> as, soon as you reject grace, what, what was the first thing that happened when the law came? Moses walked down. First thing that happened. People say, you, say you got to obey the law. That will produce righteousness. Really? Because when the law first came down the mountain, there was a golden calf. It was the exact opposite. Yeah? When grace is given, you see Jesus. You ever thought about why they made a golden calf? Of all the stuff they could have done, a golden calf. <laughs> We're going to worship a cow. That's what religion does, man. It's crazy. I mean, if we were going to be a cult, man, there would be a statue of this. <laughs> you guys would come and... Y'all want to try it? It doesn't make sense, though, does it? And you ask, how can people fall for something like that? Does it happen? Yeah, it's religion, man. It's people trying to do what God is already wanting to do for them. It's crazy, man. Uh, what was the, uh, oh, they say, yeah, we can do it. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. Don't you wish, if, if I was there, I'd have been like, I'd have tackled Moses. I'd be like, Matt, Mo, don't do it. Because the very next thing that happened, God said, okay, hey, you want me to judge you based on you? Next chapter. This is Exodus 19. Next chapter. Here's the Ten Commandments. You want to be judged by my standards? Here's the Ten Commandments. Here's the law. Take it. Go. But let me just tell you, you break one, break them all. They asked for the law. Where's the first place in, in the Bible that grace and, and the law are mentioned? See, it's all about grace and law, grace and law, grace and law. Anybody know? Think about it. You don't have to shout it out. First place in the Bible we see grace and the law. How many trees were in the Garden of Eden? What were they? Tree of life. Tree of knowledge of good and evil. Tree of life, Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's the law. Two trees. God said they could eat freely from this one. All of them except that one. 
See, there's nothing wrong with the law. There was nothing wrong with the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You know why? Because God created it. And God said when he had finished creating everything, he said he called it good. That includes the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It was good. There's nothing wrong with the law. The problem is the law is perfect. The law is perfect. And when the Bible says that God found fault with the law, he found fault with the very law that he gave. Yes, he did. It says that. How? How? What was the fault? The fault was we couldn't keep it, and he loves us. It wasn't that we could. It was our fault. It was we couldn't keep it. It was God's standard, his holy standard, that today some people will try to make you and say to you, you got to do it. You got to do this. This is what God's standard says. That's putting you back on the law. We're not under law, amen? We just saw that. We're under grace. See, the first place was the garden. And they chose. Listen, back then, just like these people in Exodus chose the law, Adam and Eve chose the law. When they could have eaten from life, the tree of life all day long. Romans 3, 19 through 28. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, what is the purpose of the law? What was the purpose of the law? It was that every mouth may be stopped. It was to pronounce everyone guilty. That's what the purpose of the law was. And the world may become guilty before God. You know why everybody becomes guilty when they hear the law? It, when you're sitting under someone who's preaching the law to you, do you feel guilty? Do you feel dirty? Do you feel shameful? Yes, that's what it's meant to do. See, Jesus didn't come to bring the law. He came to give you life. When, when you're feeling guilty and shameful, that's not life. And that's the way some people walk out of churches today. God bless them. Today, people will walk out of church feeling guilty because they just experienced the law. Paul calls that the ministry of death, the ministry of condemnation. When you leave here, you got, uh, we, our goal, what the Lord has put on our heart, is to give you the true gospel, to, that you would have life when you walked out of here. And not that you would just keep it. You can't help but share it. How many of you guys leave this place going, oh, my God, did you, did you know that Jesus didn't just sit in a tomb for three days? How many of you guys did that this week? I did it. Because you're like, the Bible just opens up to you. And you see how good God is. You see how much he loves you. Right? So the purpose of the law was that we would be guilty. Right? Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. That's why when people are speaking to you the law, they're telling you you got to obey the Ten Commandments. You're learning about sin. God wants you to learn about your Savior. Why? Because it's the only thing that can save you. He's the only person that can save you. The law can't do it. The more people say, you got to do this, you got to do this, you, right there you should step back and say, I can't. Stop trying to swim. You can't do it. You can't do it. Uh, but, but now, that, that's the, I call it the biggest but in the Bible. But now. Now means what? Now, now, present, now, but now, but now the righteousness of God. See, it's not your righteousness. It's his righteousness apart from the law is revealed. It's, it's now been manifest. 
being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Yep. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that Jesus is alive today? Then you are a believer. And if you believe, then you are also righteous right where you are. And it's not because of what you do. It's because of what Jesus did for you. All we got to do is receive that. But we think because the Lord or the devil reminds us and we remind ourselves, hey, remember your past? Remember where you fail all the time? You're not righteous. That's a lie, church. If you believe in Jesus, if you've accepted Jesus, then you are righteous forever. Amen. There is no difference, Jew. Oh, <laughs> I just called somebody a Jew, sorry. <laughs> for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Remember we talked about giants around and all that stuff? Man, people, I told you not to look at giants and say, hey, there's a demon, baby. Right? Because that's not true today. And you could be like, hey, I'm not a giant. I'm short. <laughs> well, this is a verse for you. You fell short of the glory of God. You fell short of the glory of God. Oh, see, and that's where we stop. For all the sin and falling short of the glory of God. Now, you know, we don't stop there. Because there's a comma. This is the good news. See, that's old covenant. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what the law was meant to do. New covenant says being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the good news. We have, Why is that not preached more often? Why do we focus on falling short all the time and not where God redeemed us? That's the good news. We are forever blessed, forever made righteous, forever forgiven because of what Jesus did for us. And it was free. It was free to us. It cost God his son. It, just because it's free doesn't mean it's cheap. When people tell me it's cheap grace, I bless them. What I want to do is punch them in the face. Because Listen, we're talking about Jesus who gave up his life. I would never cheapen that. Ever. And that's just a way for people to come up against you, man. It's not against you. It's against the gospel. But let me just remind you, by the word of God right here, we are forever forgiven because of Jesus. And it was free. But you got to, you owe God. That's under the law. What can you do to repay God for Jesus? There's nothing you can do. You can try nothing you can do is ever going to repay God for what his son did for you. In fact, God is so good, he doesn't want you to do that. He wants you just to receive it. Receive him. Woo! Whom God set forth as a propitiation. That's a payment for you. A payment you couldn't make. He paid it for you. He, he actually is an overpayment. He didn't just pay it. He went over and beyond it, right? By his blood, through faith, to demonstrate why to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time present time his righteousness that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus 
Do you have faith in Jesus? Then God is your justifier, not your condemner, your justifier. He has justified you. Right? Um, and then it says, where is boasting then? Is it excluded by what? Law of works? No, but by the law of faith. In other words, I don't understand it. How many of you guys understand? Some of you guys might not understand what I'm saying. But let me just tell you this. If by faith you can say, I believe it, that Jesus has justified me. That's all God's saying. Hey, receive that. That's a great first step. That's a great first step. Stay there. Remain there. I'll get you where you need to be, but remain right there. Stop trying to do it on your own. It never works. Therefore, we conclude all that. Paul says, therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. All right. Let me just show you this. This is very important. What happened to the law? We know that Moses brought the law. We know that Jesus died and redeemed us from the law. Where's the law now? What happened to it? And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him. How many of you guys have life? He did it. He gave it to you. Having forgiven you all your trespasses, all of them, every single one of them. I don't care what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. They're forgiven in Christ. In Christ, you are forgiven completely. Completely. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements. That was against you. The Bible says I should contrary to you. The law is against you. Why? Because it can't save you. God wiped out his own handwriting. His own handwriting where he wrote the law. Says having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Hey, don't go around saying, hey, Pastor Troy said this. Take him to Colossians 2. Say, the word says this. Contrary to us, right? He, he, he wiped it out. I love that. And he has taken it out of the way. The, the people are trying to put the law back in front of you, man. Jesus, by Jesus on the cross, he took it out of the way. It's not for you. Stop trying to please the Lord through your actions. Please him through your worship. Woo! thought it was a pencil. I was going to attempt to break it. And then I thought in my head real quick, hey, I could break a pen. And I'm like, nah, I better not do that, man, because one ink and broken fingers and all that. Look. See, the Lord just gave me wisdom right in front of you, and you guys didn't pick that up. All right. Were you afraid I was going to start throwing pins? Nah, we're here to give life. All right. Oh, by the way, he took it out of the way, having nailed it. So what did God do to his own handwriting, the law? He nailed it to the cross. Why do you think Jesus is called your payment, your propitiation? Because it was payment for the law. When Jesus said it is finished, it wasn't just your sin. It was the law is finished. Now you're no longer judged by what you do. You're judged based on what Jesus did for you. That's good news. It's great news. Right? Oh, by the way, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, 
triumphing over them in it. Satan will always use the law to hit you upside the head. He said, hey, man, how can you call yourself a Christian when you just did this? How many of you guys fail sometimes? Every day on every day, right? <laughs> like, what time is it? <laughs> yeah, I fail all the time. Look, I, ain't, I know I look perfect. Let me just tell you. I'm not. I fail. And if you put your trust in me, I will eventually fail you. But Jesus won't. Jesus will never fail you. But the enemy and your past will creep up and say, hey, man, how can you call yourself a Christian? Well, Satan uses the law against you. Remember, it was contrary to you. It's against you. He uses that against you. Why? Because he knows no one can keep it. No one can keep it. So he's like, why would I use that? So what do we do, man? We got to remember who we are. Romans 10.4. Say 10.4. I tell the youth this every Wednesday, man. Not every Wednesday, but when we do this verse, I'm like, man, you got to know this one. 10.4. Romans 10.4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So what did Jesus, what did God do with the law? He nailed it to the cross. Christ is the end of the law. How do we miss that? How do we misconstrue that? How do we say, wait, we still got to keep the law? When the Bible clearly says, for Christ is the end of the law. But you still got to do stuff, man. Okay, what? How many of you guys have tried to stop sinning? Like you have one sin you struggle with, you try to stop it, and you, 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 like, you, you confess it, and you cry about it, and you, you get up, and you walk, and you're good for a day or two, and then it comes back around... Then you pray about it, you cry about it, you get up, comes back around, right? And it's like a sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess, crazy cycle. You'll never feel worthy at that point. Well, that's because you're forgetting Christ is the end of the law. In other words, stop trying to stop sinning and rest in who God has called you to be. The more you see how good he is, the more, the less you'll start sin, sinning. Are you with me? Listen, by the by the goodness of God is how we repent. When you focus on how good God is, that'll lead to you changing your mind. When you focus on the law, by the law is the knowledge of sin. When you focus on the law, you will be remembering your sin. And that's why you confess and sin and confess and sin and confess and sin. How about we try it the way that God wants us to try? Instead of feeling bad about what we do, understand start thinking about how good he is even though in spite of how bad you are that'll lead you to repent change what you're doing is what that means yep all right a couple more verses we're done christ has 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 past present or future it's done christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law let me say christ has redeemed us in other words listen to what this is saying even when we fail there's no more curse for us. Today, when you fail, when you break the law, there's no more curse. Why? He redeemed us from it. There's no more curse for you. He redeemed you from it. He bought you back from it. He did it. So stop beating yourself up. You're no more ever. If you are in Christ, you will never fall under a curse. If someone curses you, say good luck with that, bro. I remember going to somebody's house for Halloween one year, it's a decade ago. And they say, hey, man, we're not going to go trick-or-treating because we heard that the Wiccans have pe- witches at every corner of Alachua County. And we are not going to be cursed tonight. We're going to stay in and we're going to do a Bible study. I said, bro, I'm going to get candy. 
You do your Bible study because what? Pronounce a curse over what? I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. There's no curse going to get to me. No curse is going to come on me. I ain't afraid of that. I'll go to the witch. So what you got in that basket? Trick or treat. Truth. Yeah, man. Look, we can go a long way with this one. I'm just saying. There's no more, no more curse for you if you are in Christ. Don't let anybody say that to you. And if there's a haunted house out there, man, you're like, I can't buy that house because it's haunted. <laughs> you want to get a good deal? <laughs> go in that house and do communion and say, in Jesus' name, you own that house. Cheap. Them demons can't be in. If it was haunted, it ain't going to be anymore. Now it's Holy Spirit filled. Some of y'all, who's a realtor? Some of y'all might want to hit some of these haunted houses around here, man. And do some communion in there, man. Don't, don't let the devil think. He is defeated. All his little demon babies are defeated. I have no power over you. Kidding me? All right. If you walk away from this church service, I want you to remember this. God does not deal with you based on the law anymore. He does it based on the finished work of Jesus. That's the truth right there. And all that scripture we just read will bear that out. And that's a good news. We are not judged on the law anymore. In other words, judged based on what you do. We're judged based on what Jesus did for you. Beautiful. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law. Why do you keep remembering sin? Why do you, why do you have trouble stopping doing that sin all the time? I don't know what this is. <laughs> why, why do you have trouble stopping? Because it's aroused by the law. The more you, the, the harder you try to uh, keep the law, the worse the sin gets. That's true. They were at work and the members to bear fruit to death. Remember, bear fruit to death. But now, 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 we have been delivered from the law. How do we mess that up? We're delivered from the law. When I was delivered from my mom, I was no longer in her. Hey, to the pure, all things are pure. Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? Look, we have been delivered from the law. It's not for when the people were delivered from Egypt. Did they go back to Egypt? No. Don't go back to the law. God says, I'll write new laws on your heart. He will write them and put them on your heart. All right. We, oh, we're, we've been delivered from the law, having died to what held us. Right. The law will hold you in bondage so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not the oldness of the letter. The letter, the letter, that's the law. That's God's handwriting. God's handwriting. You remember when God gave the law, he, he, it was a letter he gave to him. There's the letter. When God gave not the law, but the Spirit. Remember that story? 3,000 people were saved. 3,000 people died when God gave the law. The letter, 3,000 people were saved when God gave the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Beautiful how that all works out. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. In other words, more people will spend their lifetime trying to get people to know their sin. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. How many of you guys honestly need help knowing you're a sinner? Right? But we'll go to a church every Sunday so I can hear that I'm a sinner and how bad I am. Right? Not here you won't. Not here you won't. You'll hear how good God is. Uh, I, I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known covetousness, in case you were wondering. Uh, he's not talking about the Ten Commandments. Well, Paul struggled with number 10. 
Thou shalt not covet. He, he struggled with that one. He's coming out and telling you that, man. He wouldn't even have known that if there was a law that said thou shalt not covet. Right? This one verse, this is it too, last verse. This one verse, he goes, this one, just so you know, I'm not going to play in church with you and try to, I'm giving the remote over. That I just humbled myself. If people would understand what this one verse means. How many of you guys have heard this verse? Many times. Yeah, man. Listen, if, 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 we, if, if, if the church only understood what it means, there is therefore now no condemnation. Hey, step back, just whatever you grew up thinking, whatever you think right now, what does no condemnation mean? Yeah, there is therefore now, right now, right where you sit, right now, there's no more condemnation. Condemnation, guys, means that God is no longer holding your sin against you, past, present, or future. If you sin when you leave today, there's no condemnation for you. No condemnation. You have been judged righteous. You you have been judged righteous. That's a gift from the Lord. That's what Jesus did for us. It doesn't make us want to sin anymore. It makes us very thankful for what Jesus did. Everything I've showed you today is scripture. But if you walk out of here, I want you to remember, anytime you sin and Satan tries to hit you with that law, you say, wait, there's no, no, no. Right now, there's no condemnation for me. No shame, no guilt. I am righteous in the eyes of the Lord because God is judging me based on Jesus and not my actions. How can you say that? Hopefully you saw in the last hour that I'm not saying it. It's scripture. Look at the back of your bulletin and see how much scripture we went over. I'm here to tell you the Lord wants you to know that you are righteous by what Jesus did and not by what you do. And that's good news. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He has given us freedom, church. He has made us, set us free to live a life of fullness. That's what he's done for us. And all we have to do is receive it. So today's your chance. Listen, if you don't know who Jesus is, just find me. Find Pastor D after the service. We'll pray a quick prayer with you. And man, I'm telling you, it doesn't take long because God made it simple. It's simple for us. It cost him his son. But we'll pray with you. If you're looking to join the church, this is who we are, what we believe. You'll hear the good news every Sunday. You'll never hear how bad you are. You'll hear how good Jesus is. That's, who, that's what we believe. Listen, people can talk about me all the time, call me names all they want to, but I know who I am, and I know I will not go back. I, I know kind of how Paul felt when he was attacked all the time. But let me tell you something. Words out there don't matter. What the word of God says is what matters. And I hope you see that. This is what we believe, whether it's me or Pastor Dwayne preaching, you're going to hear the same thing. Good news. Um, if you have prayer requests, please find me, man. I'm, I'll be here. My wife is not here. My family's not here. I can stay up here till at least five minutes from now. <laughs> no. I'll pray with you, man. Come and find me. I'll pray with you. We'll go in that room back there and we'll pray. I'm going to remind you who you are. Um, but right now, we're going to pray for our, our uh, church on the way out. The way we normally do it is, is Pastor Dwayne comes up and he will pray a blessing over you and you receive it, right? You receive it. How do you receive it, church? By saying what? 
Amen. Amen. Amen says, I agree with what he's saying. And I'm going to tell you, when that man prays over you, God has gifted him. He prays scripture over you. He prays the new covenant over you. And all we have to do is receive it by saying amen. That's it. He's also going to do a special prayer with the names of the people that are leading our grace groups. And by the way, if you haven't signed up, please find me. I'll put you in a group today. Amen. What's that? All right. Cool. Amen. Well, I just wanted to, can I have our uh, grace group leaders stand up again just so we can identify them for by name? For those of you who don't know them, um, in the front right here, we got Bob and Debbie McMillan. We Over here, we have uh, Bobby and Miss Kathy Theus. She's in the back. We have Mike and his wife, Heather Barnes. And then, yeah, she's there in spirit, right? <laughs> and back here, we have Pace and Aaron uh, Emerson. So these are our grace group leaders, leaders. We thank God for them. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Um, but what we're going to do now, we're just going to pray and uh, we're going to bless you guys and we're going to send us out. Um, look forward to seeing some of you at Grace Groups today. And um, like Pastor Troy said, if you have not been put in the group, uh, please find uh, one of those little sheets. Um, get it there out on the table, right? And fill out one and we'll make sure you get in the group. Amen. Purpose of these groups is for us to get to know each other. So let's make sure we have that in mind. Let that be uh, part of the reason that you go. The other reason is to be a blessing. Be a blessing to somebody else. Ask God to direct you. Amen? Direct you. Um, this is an opportunity for us to come together as a body, to get to know each other, to grow in relationship with each other. Um, you guys are not an audience for the leaders to preach to. This is for us all to interact and get to know each other. Amen? So let's just have a good time together. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word today. Thank you for bringing us into this place, Father. We don't take it for granted, nor do we take it lightly, Father. We do not forsake the assembly uh, of, 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 of coming together, Father. We thank you for the, the opportunity to fellowship with one another, Lord, and to, and to come into this place and gather together and in unison worship your name and bless your name and give thanksgiving and praise unto you father for we know that you are worthy we thank you father for blessing the work of our hands thank you for blessing our households father and i just speak that over this entire congregation father over this entire assembly of believers lord i just speak blessing over them father life father whatever areas father that uh, may appear to be lacking father we speak fruitfulness into those areas we pray for bountiful blessings father uh god to arise out of those situations and those circumstances father we know that god you are a faithful god we know that you are with us and you are for us and so father we just bless you we thank you for all the prayers father that have been uh that have been lifted up to you father we thank you for uh being a god who responds to us who hears uh, our cry and hears the the desires of our hearts father and give us the desires of our hearts just as you has you have promised i thank you for your spirit that lives on the inside of us the spirit of truth the holy spirit who leads us and guides us into all righteousness and all truth and we thank you father for just opening our eyes and giving us revelation of who you are and of your word father we ask god that you could just continue to do that in our lives we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So God, continue to speak to us and give us hearing, hearing ears to, uh, to hear and, and, 
and hearts to receive your word, Father. I bless our grace groups today, Father. I bless our time together. We look forward to it, Lord. We thank you for just allowing us to just come together once again this evening and just be a blessing to one another. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.